This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Behind the Braves, everybody. I'm Ricky Mass from MLB.com. Alongside me, my my partner here, uh, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. And, you know, it's great when you get to go out to Las Vegas and uh, hang out and see all the sights and the sounds and all that good stuff. But even better than that is we've got a Braves legend that lives out in Las Vegas, and we got to go to his house and hang out with him a little bit. Greg Maddox uh, is our guest today on Behind the Braves. Greg, talk about uh, your relationship with, with uh, you call it Mad Dog Doggy. Doggy, doggy. Yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah, he goes with Mad Dog, Doggy. Yeah, he's um, got a, and other ones that we can't necessarily share. Yeah. But and he sh- he shared. Well, as you're gonna hear, I will, you know what? We'll <laughs> let we'll let the fans hear it yeah. when it comes to the point. But he shared his nickname for you on here yeah. as well. So yeah, Greg's uh, Greg's good people, and it's always good to see him and and his wife Kathy. We had a good time with him. I got to actually go out and play golf with him. Uh, that was part of the deal, and getting to spend some time with him just. Just hanging, just hanging, and as as you're gonna hear, Greg's as down to earth as anybody. There's not a whole lot of airs with him. Uh, I tried to get him to brag on himself. He just he won't do it. But it is truly remarkable the career that he had. Number one, just playing 23 years. I mean, there's only been a few guys. I think Nolan Ryan has the most. He played 25 years, and and there's a, there's not a very big list of guys that have played between 20 and 25 years in the big leagues. And then when you start stacking up and looking at the innings pitched and the um, the awards that he's had, I mean, truly remarkable career, but just down to earth. And um, even he made even made the comment, and I don't think he did this during the podcast, but uh, did he? I'm no, sure. no, I just I, yeah. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, he he made the comment. I said, well, this is pretty cool. We were up in his kind of his man cave, um, and where we did the podcast and. I said, yeah, it's a pretty cool room. I love all those gold gloves. And he goes, well, there's just a little too much of me in here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that that's perfect for him. And he, he really loves his family, talked a lot about his kids, talked a lot about his brother um, and their relationship. And, and uh, you know, and that that's just who he is. And he, it's always been that way. I mean, I've mm-hmm. known him since 93. I, and I, I'll share that he was a great teammate. And I think uh, I'm not I'm not alone in that sentiment about him. But he he was good for me earlier on in my career, and I just enjoyed kind of catching up. Yeah, and that that was you know for me that's the first time I've, I've gotten to meet him. And you know me growing up watching you guys and those those '90s era teams as a kid, being a fan of them. I mean, just to just to, from a fan side, it was really cool to get to meet him. And then we're sitting there recording this in in that in the, in his room there. Where I mean, I'm my the view I had. I was staring directly at that trophy case the whole time. And there's the Cy Youngs. There's just gold gloves galore everywhere. All the stuff. All these cool 
you know, there's jerseys, the bats, balls, all the stuff hanging on the wall. But he was just so down to earth, and he's just kind of kicked back and hanging out that you're, it, it almost like you, he's just a normal guy. It's like there's all these awards and stuff, but the the way he phrased that with like, man, there's just too much of me in here. That was almost perfect because yeah, he was just he yeah. was just cool to sit back and talk and and genuinely nice on. And before we turned the mics on or anything, I mean. God, they were they were nice enough. To, we had lunch with them at their house and just talking about. I became yeah. I became friends with his dog Duffy. Yeah, by they, the way, some cute dogs. Yeah, yeah, that's a very cute dog. Yeah. So, all right, well, we won't we won't uh, we won't go on any longer. We'll get you right to it. So here he is, Hall of Famer Greg Maddox. That should do it. Ground ball to Lemke. He's got it. Greg Maddox has won his 14th game of the year. He did it with 78 pitches and only 15 of them. Missed the strike zone. One hit, no runs, no errors, one left. And folks, you just saw a. All right, well, doggy, we're uh, we're uh, glad to be out here with you. We're visiting Las Vegas here for the winter meetings, and um, you've been nice enough to have us out to your house, and and so welcome to Behind the Braves. And normally we do it in the alumni lounge, but we're here in Las Vegas. Yeah, better place to do it, you know. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, you know. Enjoyed playing golf with you the last two days, and we could, you know. How'd you, how'd you hit them, by the way? How did you hit them with yeah. Greg, Greg McMichael? Well, I brought the team down. Did you? <laughs> yeah, but uh, we uh, we lost, but we didn't lose as much today. We're <laughs> 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 playing with Doggy's yeah. friends. Yeah, it's golf, you know. Peaks and valleys right now. It's a. <laughs> it's the winter, right? <laughs> There's We're... no peaks right now, but uh, it is it's fun. It's good. It's uh the weather was great, and uh, you know it was nice getting to hang around Mac again for a little bit and getting to reconnect. And well, you know, yeah, and it brings it's been back good. old times. We've never been able to do this, and of course, this is the first time winter meetings have been here. And sometimes you're doing a lot of work with uh, UNLV and pitching coach with them, hanging out with your son, who's a pitcher there. And we want definitely want to talk about that a little bit, but. Um, yeah, it's always good. I, the alumni around the country, any chance I get, you know, Ricky and I have talked about this, maybe making some road trips this year and talking to guys. Obviously, DJ and, and um, Javi are out there in San Diego. Do you still have a place out there? You know what? we got a place in Dana Point, and I guess Javi's not too far away. I know we've mentioned to hook up for golf. We haven't done it yeah. yet, but maybe we'll uh, do it next summer. Yeah, oh, I know he'd love that, but uh, it's, it's good being here. And I know that um, – uh, Right now, with the winter meetings going on, I'm curious to think to see if you've been paying attention much. What's going on with baseball? Whether you're following the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Braves, what's going on? But you know, we've winter meetings. First time I've really been involved that much. But being here in Vegas, have you paid any more attention than normal? You know what? Uh, maybe just a tad. You know, I'm kind of uh, stuck on the college route right now, and uh, uh, I will turn on. Uh, baseball tonight in the mornings before I go to the golf course and, and I'll get you know 20-30 minutes of baseball news then and uh, uh, you know being from Vegas and all the Bryce Harper stuff going on right now so I'm paying a little bit of attention to that and uh, you know it's kind of background noise right now I catch things here and there but for the most part you know I'm kind of locked in and uh being the volunteer coach at UNLV, it kind of keeps me busy. And, uh, you know, we play 50 games a year. It's it, it's a way to stay in baseball but not be too involved in it. You know, uh, I do enjoy retirement. I do enjoy being the empty nester now and uh, uh, at the same time getting a little taste of baseball. 
Well, you're obviously known Kathy for a while, and it seems like you guys are doing well. You're coming up on 30 years, just like Jennifer and I. That's a huge milestone nowadays, and so it's great to see her. And and uh, what has been the biggest change for you guys? You know, Paige and and uh, Chase are not living here with you, but what have you? What has been the biggest things you've enjoyed being an empty nester? Well, uh, the freedom. You know, the no more carpools. You know, <laughs> when you have kids. Uh, there's always practice here. They need a ride there, and, and then they start driving, and they turn into teenagers, and, you know, then they know more than you. You know how that goes. And, uh, but, you know, now they're they're both out of the house, and uh, uh, they're living on their own, and uh, our daughter Paige now has a job making her own money and her own decisions, and she just got a dog, so we have a grand puppy. Nice. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Do all the dogs come here? You, you do all the uh, dogs for Christmas? Is that, what's that like? Yeah, it's a ruckus because my son Chase also has a dog. So oh, wow. we'll have we'll have five dogs in the house and only four people. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes they don't get along too well with one another. And uh, there's a lot of ruckus going on. And, and you guys saw Baxter. Baxter's our, you know, five-pound Yorkie. And, you know, he's got little man's disease. He thinks he's, <laughs> you know, he thinks he could – take on any german shepherd around the block so he, he uh, didn't he didn't uh, bow up to us too bad well, i was kind of surprised i guess because i walked in with you t- i tell you what you'd be amazed if, if a big dog walked in here how oh. the other two would run and baxter would run up to it so uh <laughs> scrappy do yeah i mean he uh he's got little man's disease that's for sure <laughs> well what's the name of the the guest dog as you called him who i made oh that's with, duffy yeah duffy? duffy's uh you know we make fun of duffy because She's not the favorite, obviously, and, <laughs> you know, she makes a good impression when the guests come over. She's always happy to see him, and, you know, she probably gets more pets from the guests than she does from us. She did come right up to me. <laughs> we may, we became instant friends, but oh, now yeah. I understand why. Okay, I get it. Yeah. 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 So what uh, your coaching son, your, your son Chase at UNLV, was yeah. that uh, was that something he was also for from the very beginning? or, or? Well, actually he asked me, which was surprising because usually, you know, the hardest player to coach is your son, and he might be the easiest of the ones there. But, uh, you know, UNLV had some issues a couple years ago with uh, uh, their coach had some personal problems, and uh, the pitching coach took over as the intern coach, and they didn't have a pitching coach. And uh, he asked if I would go out and and do it. And uh, I did it. I liked it. Uh, It's no different than pro ball, only – the game might be just a little slower, you know. Uh, obviously, the players aren't as good, but as far as baseball goes, it's baseball. Baseball's exactly the same whether, you know, you're in the big leagues in the postseason or, you know, you're playing high school, college, or American Legion. You know, baseball is baseball. And uh, uh, most of the kids are eager to learn. Uh, the difference between probably college and pro ball is, for me, that the kids aren't all in. Okay, it's not what they do. It's not their livelihood. You know, you've got a few guys on the team that are good enough to be drafted and are going to try to make it their livelihood. And then you got the majority of the team that realize they're there for an education. And baseball is kind of secondary. You know, their main goal is to get their degree and move on, get a good job and find a wife and have kids and all that. And, uh, you know, as a coach, you just have to kind of accept that and do what you can to, you know, help them become the best player they can be. And, you know, if they got other things going on in life, so be it. You know, baseball's not the most important thing in their lives where 
Harry, when we were playing, it's the only thing that mattered. You know, That's it right. was, you know, win or go home, <coughs> mm -hmm. you know, win or get fired or whatever. And uh, so it's pretty cool. You know, just kind of a cool story. Uh, last year we were in the playoffs, and my son Chase was going to face the winning team or the losing team out of San Diego and San Jose. And they were playing right after our game. So, you know, I go, hey, Chase, you know, let's uh, go have dinner, figure out who wins, and then we'll watch some video of the game being played right now. We'll go over the hitters for the next day. And he goes, well, I can't. I've got an online test at 9 o'clock. <laughs> so, you know, it just goes to show you here it's kind of the biggest game of the year coming up, and he's got a test online at 9 yeah. o'clock. and right. That never happened when we were playing. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, he's got some good – his priorities are in line. Well, and, it is. You know, he's got to balance that. I mean, I was in – I mean, you came out of high school. I, I played three years at Tennessee. So, I understand. I mean, you got, really got two full-time jobs. I mean, you're the baseball player, but then you're also the, the student. And, you know, and it's, a, it's a juggling act at some time. Yeah. What, what, what kind of players uh, – what kind of pitchers chase? He does absolutely everything right you want your pitchers to do with the exception of throw hard. I mean, uh, you know, he, he fields, he thinks, he, he, he's a good baseball player. He's not just a pitcher. You know, but, you know, obviously he's not going to throw hard enough to get drafted, and, you know, that's okay. You know, he's going to do what he can to give us the best chance to win next year, and he's actually a real good example for the other pitchers coming in, you know, and I think he's very helpful with that. And who knows, maybe one day he'll, he'll probably get into coaching. Who knows what's going to happen with him? But he he loves the game. He he's he's got a passion for it, and uh, you know, hopefully, he can stay in the game in some capacity. I know. I we asked um, uh, when we had Tom Glavin on. We asked him about uh, coaching his kids in hockey, and then later on, now his son uh, Peyton, I believe, at Auburn. Um, and I, one of the things I was curious about with him was same with you being someone that excelled at the highest level of your sport is it ever hard to kind of temper your expectations of the kids you're coaching or is that is not not really well you know i think i always try to get the most out of my ability and i think as a coach that's what i try to do with the players is i try to i want them to try to get the most out of their ability and then you know if they're all in on that and that's something that they want to find out how how good they can be, then I'm very happy to coach them and be their coach. Uh, if they're not and, you know, uh, the degrees, what they're there for, then I'm fine with that too. You know, I'll just – we'll do what we can to, to uh, have them make the team better. And, uh, you know, we kind of work around their schedules all the time. You know, uh, some kids have early class, so they'll get four bats in the first inning and then they leave. So, you know, we, we, we try to do what we can to accommodate both sides of it, like you were talking about, Harry, and, and hopefully the best happens. Well, your your brother is, has had a pretty good second career as a, as a pitching coach. Absolutely. And now that you're tasting a little bit of that, so you've done some special assistant work with a couple organizations, and now you're doing some college. Do you see yourself maybe after Chase gets done and, you know, four or five years from now, six years from now, you might get the itch to – to maybe expand your role and do something professionally as a coach or no? Well, you know, like I said earlier, I enjoy, I enjoy being retired. I really do. And I enjoy baseball. Uh, you know, if something part-time came along, I'd definitely look into it. Uh, but having been around my brother 
and with him in Texas it's for the four years I was over there, it's not <laughs> part-time, not by any means. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, you know, I'd go in for five games with him, and, you know, we're leaving his house at 11 in the morning and getting home at 11 at night and doing it again for five more days. And uh, I spent five days doing it. He spent nine months doing it. And, uh, you know, I enjoy the freedom. I enjoy being able to play in a golf tournament in the middle of the summer or, or you know, taking the wife to Hawaii in spring training time and, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, if there's a way to combine the two, then I'm all in. But as far as going full-time, full-bore, I don't think uh, I don't think I'm built for that right now. Yeah, that's that's a it's a tough job. I mean, yeah. you know, you get the yeah. travel as as being you know what the travel's like. You were a player, coaches, and they actually spend more time because they're doing a lot of extra stuff. So yes, they do. I get it. Well, being a player is easy. Coaching's a little tougher. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're fortunate. We've got uh, quite a few alum that are still you know being involved. You know, Terry Pendleton. Yep. is involved and in, uh, Eddie Perez. We've got uh, we got guys, you know, Fred. Fred's doing some scouting for us. In the oh, market. good. Yeah, he's doing really well. He's been with us for a while, and so it's good to see those guys around. And um, but I know they work hard. Yeah, I mean, they, they got they got a full schedule, so it's good. Yeah. Uh, does has has Chase ever gone to Uncle Mike for for advice uh, over you, or just not over you, but just looking for a different take on something? Uh, I'll send Uncle Mike to Chase. Okay. <laughs> Don't let's not kid ourselves. You know, I, you know, I look back at at my career, and I've had a lot of really good coaches, and, and I learned something from all of them. Okay, and uh, I mean, we could start with rookie ball and go to my last year with Darren Balsley in San Diego. I learned something from all of my coaches, and I want my players to talk to other coaches as many as they can. I'm not the I'm not the coach that says, hey, don't talk to that guy. He'll screw you up. No, I want I want my guys to get all the advice they can get from anybody who's willing to give it. And then if they could pick out pieces of it, if it makes them a better pitcher, I'm all for it. So uh, I actually encourage my players to, if they have a coach at home, if they want to call them or if, if there's something going on in the summer that they want to see, I'm all for it. Yeah, I did want to ask, you know, um, It's like I was telling Kathy over lunch, if we started going through all your statistics in your career, we wouldn't have time to talk about anything else. But I did want to say, I did want to bring up one thing, and I wanted to ask you how you felt about it. So when I was going back and just, obviously, we played together, we knew how good you were, the things that you were able to accomplish on the field were pretty amazing. But when you go back and you just look at the numbers, I'm looking over my shoulder and I see all the gold gloves there. And I, and I look at, you know, uh, eight-time All-Star, 18 gold gloves, four Cy Youngs, you know, World Series champion and now Hall of Fame inductee. Do you ever just kind of say, damn, I was good? I mean, just well, I because mean, you look at that stuff and it, it, you're – I mean, you're obviously the best pitcher I've ever seen. But, I mean, those those are some – those are staggering numbers. And you think about your career because I know – I mean, you're 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 a humble guy. You you know you're down to earth, but yet you you have these just crazy numbers as a pitcher, and you were able to do things that guys weren't able to do. And so, do you ever kind of like shake yourself and thinking, man, I that I I think I maximized. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, there's 
games and months that you probably would do a little bit different, you know, if you had a chance to do them over again. But, uh, you know, I just tried to get better, honestly. I just came to the ballpark every day and just tried to get better at something, whether it was a pitch to a hitter, maybe it was filled in a bunt a little bit better or uh, having a bullpen to get mentally better for my next start. You know, it's just uh, – and then – accidentally I played longer than I ever thought I would play and then all the numbers started adding up and everything but uh didn't really ever get too caught up into everything I just tried to keep it as simple as possible and just you know probably I, I could sit here and say I went to the ballpark every day with a, and just tried to get better at something you know maybe I did that 80 percent of the time maybe 50 percent of the time who knows but uh the goal was to just do something each day That'll make you better for the next time you play. Are there any particular pitchers in, in today's game that, that you like watching, that you're, you're kind of more apt to, if you know they're going to be throwing, you want to tune in? You know, I like watching Kershaw. I, I was lucky enough to – my last year was his rookie year, so I knew him a little bit. Uh, Grinky, I always had a lot of respect for. Uh, you know, my brother's pitchers that I was around a little bit every day. I always had a little special interest in and still follow those guys a little bit. And, uh, you know, you watch the guys pitch now, and it's like, okay, wow, that's amazing. These guys are freaking blowing cheese left <laughs> and right with nasty breaking balls. And, uh, you know, we were taught in the 80s and 90s to throw strikes. And these guys are taught now to kind of pitch out of the strike zone now. And then – you know, it's kind of a whole different way to pitch. And, you know, you try to, you know, you see it in the playoffs and on TV and uh, you're thinking, man, he can run it in on him here and get him out. And you see a slider in the dirt and, you know, it's just kind of a different way of thinking now. But, uh, you know, it seems like the pitchers having success, you know, the majority of the pitchers having success, maybe Verlander's the exception. He pitches in the strikes on a lot, but, uh, they're pitching out of the strike zone and you know it's almost like they're trying to strike a guy out when the count's 0-1 or 1-0 and we didn't try to strike guys out till we got two strikes on them so you know to me that's kind of one of the biggest differences that I see now but just the just the physical ability to throw the baseball the way those guys throw it now is it's it's kind of fun to watch and it's like man if I could throw like that back in the day man I mean, you're seeing Nolan Ryan pitch almost well, – I shouldn't say Nolan Ryan. You're seeing guys with Nolan Ryan stuff pitching. There's one or two on every team now. Yeah. Yeah, Steve, and I had this conversation on a weekly basis with the – you know, we've got a pretty big alumni base in Atlanta, and they all want to talk about the difference between, you know, today's game and when we were playing. It, it is interesting. It's fascinating. Ricky and I have had this conversation just, just talking with – our executive staff or our baseball operations staff and and how they're how the game's you know shaping up and how the game's evolved even in the last five years in the last 10 years this has been a a big jump in just the philosophy so later on we're going to be able to talk with um perry who's our assistant gm and uh, we're going to really pick his brain on kind of trying to break some things down for us and what they're looking for and what they're trying to do and trying to create some a balance because you have this spectrum, you know, of analytics and, and 
philosophies on on how they want the type of players they want and yeah I mean, you know we just re-signed Johnny Venters and I'm sure you remember Johnny Johnny was a lefty and he just had the power sinker from the left side and so we just re-signed him it was great to see that that kind of you don't see that ball moving a whole lot these days yeah like your ball moved and yeah. the change-ups that you and I threw you don't see that a whole lot you see yeah. that just that up in the zone four seamer yep. and it's, yep. it's a lot it's a lot different yep spin rate yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were always trying to decrease the spin rate. They're trying to increase yeah. it. Yeah, we say, uh, man, the guy's got a good hook. He can spin it. And they go, oh yeah, that's nineteen hundred spin rate on that. That is a good curveball. Yeah, league average is fourteen fifty. That guy can get it up to. <laughs> it's, it's a whole different vocabulary now. Yeah, you know, and I mean, you know, but there's something to if the hitter misses it, it's pretty good. You can forget everything in the world, and you can have all the data and everything you can see with your eyes and everything. But sometimes the best the best way to to read a pitcher is to watch the hitters, and I think that gets lost a little bit. You know, I think uh, uh, you know velocity is overrated. I think it's nice; it's a definite bonus if you're a pitcher. But I think uh, you know, I tell my pitchers, I go, it's not a speed contest. It's a pitching contest. Well, you know, let's not lose sight of that. If you can throw at 95, more power to you. But it doesn't mean the guy throwing 88 is not going to beat you. Right. So uh, just keep in mind it's a pitching contest. And uh, the same fundamentals apply today that applied 30 years ago. And that's if you could locate your fastball and change speeds, you can get anybody out. And uh uh, it's easier to do if you're throwing 95 as opposed to 88, but it's 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 not a necessity. Is is coaching in college? I'm I would I would imagine that the data, maybe some of the analytical side of the game, isn't quite as much of a factor there. It's there, a little more old school, if you there's will. There's zero analytics in college, and there's zero scouting. I mean, uh, the scouting you get is if you got a buddy that is a coach for a team that played them last month. That's your scouting, and. Uh, uh, so everything's kind of done. You kind of do what you do best. And if there's something you see during the game or maybe the next game or the following game after that that you can use to your advantage, then uh, that's something you'll try to do. But uh, there's very minute scouting going on before the series starts. Even if there is scouting, it's from a month ago. Yeah. And we all know in baseball, players can, you know, obviously hitters are a creature of habit, but – they will change. They will be quick, or they will be slow. They will be jumpy, or, or they may be locked in. So, uh, you know, a lot of it's done on the fly, and uh, you know, you got to trust your eyes and trust your judgment when you're out there. Well, one thing you were really good at was being able to look at the hitter and how they're reacting to your pitches and how they're reacting to other guys' pitches, and then you make an adjustment. And we, you were telling the story about Manny Ramirez. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, earlier on talking about um, he was waiting on the curveball and it took three at-bats <laughs> to get it. And he finally he told yeah. he told you and, you know, Derek Lowe that you, he was going to hit it out. But he kept missing the fastballs because he wasn't looking for them. Yeah. But you that pitcher had to know that that he was looking for breaking ball because he kept being – Manny Ramirez was never Correct. behind on fastballs. Correct. So you had to make that adjustment. And, and that's, a, that's a, a really interesting thing. I don't need scouting reports as much when I can see what this guy does and, and then I've got to make an in game adjustment and that requires a great bit of feel for the game and for your stuff and understanding and watching because that the hitter's game planning just like your game planning. 
Correct. And so there's that little bit of cat and mouse. And I know that you were always real good. I know Smoltz, he tells crazy stories about, okay, this guy's going to – you're telling him he's going to hit this ball over here. He's going to foul this one off here, and then he's going to pop up. You know, and I've heard David Justice tell a story about you shifting him around. You know, I want you to move over here because this guy's going to hit this. And and you just knew what these hitters were looking at. Do you think that was a gift? Do you think that's something that you just – you had to work on? Or how did that come about? I mean, that's all video. That's all that is is video. And uh, uh, we were fortunate before all the games were on TV and teams actually had video. Uh, I remember, I mean, it started in Chicago on WGN. We'd get a VHS tape of the game. And you'd sit there at the remote control and you'd fast forward and rewind and you could watch the games that way. Uh, And then Atlanta, TBS. I mean, back in the day... The Braves and Cubs were the only two teams on TV. And then, what, mid-'90s it started? That's when the video picked up and the uh, MLB package and all the games, <laughs> and then they're all edited. And uh, then it got to the point where you could put in – I could put in Greg McMichael's last 30 at-bats against right-handed hitters. And, you know, I could see you go through the series with the Phillies, and then you went to New York, and I see those at-bats. and. You know, then you went to Montreal, and you could see there's his last 30 at bat. So it just, you know, the video to me just became a part of scouting or pitching or the the preparation before each start, and uh, and you understood if you throw balls in certain spots, it's gonna go to certain spots on the field. And uh, but you know. You had to throw it there. If you didn't throw it there, it wasn't good. (laughs) Execution, unlike our golf game, right? Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing where you want to hit it and where you actually hit it is a different story. We were talking about it. It just didn't quite always go there. Hey, Mac, you see that tree over there? If you'll just hit it right there, it'll just, okay, all right, I'm going to (laughs) try. Yeah, just peel it off that tree a little bit. Double cross. (laughs) Well, I've read you talking about the kind of along the same lines of those stories, the stories of – of you kind of maybe giving a guy something you know he's going to hit in a in a you know w- earlier in the season to set him up potentially for a more meaningful spot in the postseason. How did you? When did you decide? Or how did you decide when those when was the right time to to do that and to set him up that far in advance? Uh, well, it didn't happen often, but if it did, it, when the game didn't matter, when the game was already decided, uh, I was taught Dick Pole. Remember Dick mm-hmm. Pole? Dick Pohl, you know, you say you get all these things from all these different pitching coaches like earlier. Well, Dick Pohl was my double-A pitching coach. And then he was my winter ball pitching coach, and he was my pitching coach for a couple years in Chicago. And and his big thing was hitters are a creature of habit. And what do hitters remember? Well, they remember success. So uh, if a hitter has success off you, he's going to remember that for a lot of at-bats. And the whole point was – if you give them a pitch they hit out of the park, chances are they're going to be looking for that pitch for a long time. So that was kind of his little theory on it a little bit. So, you know, if you were in a situation maybe in spring training or, or maybe you were down five runs or up five runs, uh, then you can maybe play to that just a little bit, you know, uh, two outs and nobody on. Uh you don't mind giving up a hit there. You hope it's not a home run. But if you can give – if a hitter can remember some success off you, then there's probably a pretty good chance that's where he's sitting off you for the next 
you know, five at bats, 10 at bats, maybe 20 at bats, depending on the hitter. And uh, so, you know, you could use the failure you've had against certain hitters, you know, to kind of play for your favor for the next 10 at bats off them or not. Interesting. Well, a completely random question, but I just have to ask. Uh, uh, how did Greg McMichael earn the nickname Harry? Because I've heard. <laughs> well. Or we not, can we not talk about that on this podcast? Oh, my gosh. You, you, you can edit all this, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry, one of the nicest guys in the world, clean cut. I mean, if you look at him right now, he's got his collar up around his neck and everything. But if that dude walks into the shower, you're like, whoa, holy cow, take your sweater off when you're in here. <laughs> you know, it was either, hey, you use shampoo or soap on that. What, what, what are we going to do with that? See, oh I was gosh. thinking it was something, you know, like a, just a, a character named Harry or something. No, it's just on the nose. Yeah. That's exactly so what he's, it is. So yeah. <laughs> <his buddy. laughs> oh, yeah. he's introducing me to his buddies today, you know, at the golf course. And he goes, Hey, uh, John, meet Harry. He goes, oh, hey. I know my name's Greg. Oh, uh, Harry? Greg? <laughs> I said, uh, Dion gave yeah. me that nickname yeah. way back in the day. And you need to. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. To this day, Dion and, and, and Doggy are the only ones that call me that. It's funny. I, he just answered the phone. Harry, what's going on? I'm and, changing your name in yeah. my phone to Harry yeah. and Michael now. O That's Otis, some be. Otis sometimes calls me that. So it's <laughs> funny. Well, what were some of your uh, memories of each other as teammates that are uh, since we're kind of in that that realm? Then? Yeah, I, I was going to bring out one of the things that I I thought was really good as a young pitcher. Of course, we're not that we're we're not age wise we're not that much different, but. Um, he was up the big leagues before me, and he when I met him, he had just come off his first Cy Young award. I was making the team as a rookie in '93, and uh, one thing I appreciated about Greg is that he was good with the the rookies. I mean, I remember I was the only rookie on the team. I remember him inviting me out to dinner, and what was interesting is that you know he orders a porterhouse steak, and he asked the chef to cut cut it up for him. <laughs> I did. Yeah, he used to do that. So he gets this huge steak, and it's all cut up for him when he <laughs> we eats it. But uh, we did that. I think that was in Philadelphia. But um, but one thing I appreciated about about him was that he was a good teammate. That he treated everybody the same. Uh, didn't matter if you had a year, you know, ten years. Of course, you know he's a starting pitcher, so he hung out mainly with the starting guys. But and I was in the bullpen. But also remember. Um, and the one thing I, I carried out through throughout my career is that whenever he picked up a baseball and he threw, it was typically on the mound. Very rarely was, were you out in the outfield throwing catch. Because, you know, and, and I, I remember that. And I remember him also always uh, working from the stretch when he was getting his work in on the side. And one time he said to me, I said, well, why do you always throw from the stretch? Because you spend a lot of time in the windup. He said, well, you know, that's where your money's made. When there's a guy on second base or a guy on first base, that's the only time they typically can score. He didn't give up any home runs, so they had to hit, get a couple singles. So he always worked in the stretch, which I thought was – that was a lot of wisdom um, that was imparted to me. And, of course, um, and then also just getting your work on, done on the mound because you need to be thrown. You don't need to spend all your time on flat ground because the mound is where, you're, you're, that's where your office is. So those were two things that impressed me as a young pitcher. But then also just, you know, we had we had guys like Greg who who were just good teammates and, and that really helped, you know, young players like myself, um, you know, figure it out. Besides his natural coat, yeah. do, do you remember anything? <laughs> he tried to win. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you were a rookie and no one knew much about you. 
and then you faced the Yankees in spring training, and you went through Boggs, Bernie Williams. Who was the other one? Mattingly, I faced. Yeah. It's um, and it was like going back to well, the hitters will tell you if he's in it good or not, you know. And you didn't throw hard, but you had a nasty changeup that you could cut or sink, however you want to say it. You can make it look like a slider or a changeup. And some of the best hitters in the game couldn't hit you. And you're like, okay, game on. Because you kind of made the team, it was kind of a surprise, really. Yeah, I was Maybe not in your eyes, but everybody else's before it started, you know. But uh, you could pitch. You could pitch. And I remember one time I came in and we were in Chicago – and he wasn't pitching. He was charting, and he was inside. I guess on the road, you guys would do the chart on because, you know, WG and all that stuff. So I come in the game, and it's bases loaded, nobody out. And I strike out the first guy, first guy, strike out the second guy. I get two strikes on the third guy. And I give up a pop-up to center, and the wind's just, you know, it's one of those days in Chicago where the wind's yeah. just pulling straight out. Well, somehow it gets over Grip's head, and it you know it hits at the base of the wall, and two runs score, three runs score. I, it, he ends up hitting a double. I think all three runs scored. And I come in the clubhouse, and I'm like, God, and he goes, man, you're the biggest tease I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> we thought you were going to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, those are those are some good times. Yeah. Of course, when you're winning all the time, things are yeah. good. Yeah. Things are yeah, good. Yeah, it is. Winning takes care of a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Everybody has character. You know, your teammates have character when you're yeah. winning. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just working in baseball and working with the team. I think that's that's it extends beyond players on the field. You can feel just in the office when things are winning. I mean, it's just easier to be be around each other and like each other. You know, sure. I think that yeah. extends beyond it. That's it, you can feel that as a I don't know about fans maybe, but it just. It, being on the outside but still working in it it's it goes throughout the building that feeling yeah you know whole well, organization you yeah. were never on a team that struggled right i mean did you yeah have it's on a couple the couple of the cubs teams before you came yeah. to atlanta okay yeah see mike i mean i didn't really experience that at all and i know and then being in atlanta for the last four years and seeing the team struggle and then all of a sudden this year the team come together win the division first time since 2013 man everybody was just like Man, this is this is so good, and I'm like, well, that's the way it should be. It's it's a great feeling. It's tough being on a team that yeah. that struggles. Yeah, it is, but you can still have fun. Mm -hmm. Sure, you know, that's what uh, you know. Bobby always used to say, you know, you don't have to win to have fun. Well, we won every year we were there. Like, <laughs> what's he talking about? Yeah, that's <laughs> okay, right. so you know, uh, it's funny because the first year at UNLV. We were like, I don't know, 20 and 40. We were, you know, we were like last in the league and everything. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, that's what Bobby's talking about. You don't have to win to have fun. Yeah, more fun when you're winning. But at the same time, uh, he was right. You don't have to win to have fun. So I think, you know, we were in Chicago. We had a lot. We had, I was on some pretty bad teams over there early. And, uh, you know. We still had fun. We didn't have the fun we had in Atlanta that we had playing there. But, uh, you know, winning definitely helps. But I think just, you know, with a good attitude, you can go to the ballpark every day. You're doing something you love. Even if you're in last place, you have an opportunity. You're making a living probably the best job you could ever get. 
and uh uh you know again you don't have to win to have fun but man it sure it sure does help was is there a and i and i can and i'll again note i can edit this um was there a favorite prank uh that you enjoyed uh playing on on guys uh not really just kind of the everyday banter and making fun of each other and you know but as far as uh putting effort into the pranks and all that. Smoltzy was good at it. I used to like when he used to play the angry bellman. I don't know if you guys ever got. <laughs> I don't think I saw one. that one. You never saw that one? Know. Yeah. I but, remember uh, he used to do his beatbox. You know, he'd go. Oh, that was good. That was yeah. good, too. That he was, was the, fun. What, the, drum, the drum major or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, those nights where you get into, let's say, New York, it's 2 in the morning, and you beat the bags by 20, 30 minutes. And, you know, you're, like, fighting to stay awake, but you want your bag yeah. before you go to bed. And Smoltz would go down and to the bell stand, and the guy start calling down for their bag, and he would be rude to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what number are you? You know? I did not. Number 12, <laughs> get your own bag. Come down here and get it yourself. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that was pretty good. good. I used to like that. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, Smoltz was the one that yeah, yeah. put time into all the pranks and everything. Mm-hmm. And, Get your hotel key and hide in your closet and get there oh before gosh. you jump out and scare you. Somebody did that to Huddy. Yeah. No, Huddy did it. Oh, Huddy. Huddy did it to Eddie. Oh, to Eddie. And oh they had a film gosh. crew there for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that was crazy. Had yeah. the had the scream mask and the whole deal. Yeah. Well, hey, we want to be uh, respectful of your time, and we appreciate you having us here. Um, we do have to get back, and um, we're going to meet with uh, with Perry and. So, uh, but this has been great right. catching up with you. Thanks. Get the analytics stuff down. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to learn us a little bit. Right. Well, thank you again so much for your time and have us. We really appreciate Absolutely. it. Well, our, our thanks again to Greg and Kathy Maddox for for having us out today for having myself and harry mcmichael out to to their home uh for a little bit and to have lunch and then hang out hang out with them for a while that was that was really a lot of fun it was cool we getting to sit down and talk with him today yeah greg uh we could have spent another easily 30 40 minutes just talking and um we were just we actually had to cut it off because we had to get back and and uh, do something else but it was it was a good time being able to spend with him and and I, you know, he hasn't even been to SunTrust Park. Right. And I told him, I said, and I told Kathy the same thing. I said, you guys need to come out and see it. You'll love it. And told him that, um, you know, it's a special place. And and uh, so hopefully in 2019 they can they can make it out and come back. And I know the Braves fans would love to see him, and as well as everybody in the organization. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I remember when he when you know, I was like I was mentioning in, in the intro there that. Um, he signed, you know, when I, I was watch, I was a kid watching you guys. And I remember one of my buddies was the first person I knew that managed to get a, a Greg Maddox jersey, and he wore it to school. Like, Braddox had just become a Brave, and that was a exciting time. And uh, just to see from that point when he first became a Brave and then what would transpire over the next decade or so with the Braves, it, uh, what a special time and what a special career, and a career unlike any other in the game. Yeah, there were some significant moves that um, Mr. Sherholtz made back in the 90s and when you look at Fred McGriff and you look at Greg Maddox and Terry Pendleton and Sid Bream and 
some of those moves, bringing back Bobby Cox, you know, and, and Scherholtz being signed, John Scherholtz being signed, those were all key moves that set our organization apart for, you know, years to come. And Greg was right in the middle of all that. His, my, you know, my rookie year, he had just won the, the Cy Young Award for the first time from the Cubs, and we signed him. It was a $25 million contract. Mm-hmm. And I think we were debating between – the organization was debating between um, Barry Bonds and Greg Maddox. And mm-hmm. I think we're all excited that uh, that um, front office made the right right call there. Well, if you remember our last guest on Behind the Braves uh, a couple weeks back was uh, uh, Perry Manazian. And he said – and this wasn't on the podcast. We were just chit-chatting before or after it. And he said he still thinks that's probably the greatest free agent signing of all time. And it's it's really hard to argue with that. That's amazing, you know, coming from a guy who's knee-deep in it right now and mm-hmm. working through all that. That's uh, high praise. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we hope that the, this is, serves as kind of a, a late Christmas present for you, a holiday gift for you. hope you're having a great holiday season with your friends and family. And, uh, you know, the good thing is that the, the calendar is getting ready to turn 2019, which means spring training and fantasy camp are just around the corner. So we're getting closer. And uh, it's going to be an exciting time. You know, we've been at this behind the Braves for a few months now, and now that 2019 is uh, is rapidly approaching, I'm really excited to see where we can go from here. And the, the feedback from all you guys has been amazing. I was just re- reading on iTunes. You know, people leave leave the nice the five star reviews, and they leave positive comments. And that that in addition to just making us feel good and feel like we're doing a, a good job here, it helps you know spread word about the show. Tell a friend, share it on your Instagram story, tweet about it, whatever you want to do. So we just we very much appreciate you listening to us, and we hope to grow this thing bigger and better in 2019. Yeah, and we hope you have a great holiday season, uh, a good new year. We're excited about where this thing's going to go, and we haven't made you know total plans as far as where we're going to go with, but we know there's going to be more of it, and we're going to be more. Have better guests and not better. We've had some pretty amazing guests. Yeah, yeah that's we're going yeah, to yeah. have some continued. You know, uh, the, we're hopefully the great guests that we've had are going to continue. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of alumni we haven't gotten to. There's a lot of players we haven't got to. There's a lot of staff, a lot of coaches. So we're we're planning to to get to and maybe maybe some of the fans can uh, put in requests on who they would like to yeah. hear on behind the Braves. I don't know. I guess you get that that feedback. That yeah. Maybe they could put that in there and. And we'll do the best we can. We have we have a full season, and we know that the Braves season is going to be exciting this year. We can't wait for spring training, but uh, maybe that's something we can do in the future with uh, with our uh, with our fans from behind the Braves. Absolutely, we're looking forward to it. Well, again, like like my my partner Greg McMichael here said, we hope you're having a great holiday season, and we will see you on Behind the Braves in 2019. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 